Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. We do this on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. Shows up at 3 p.m. on my Facebook uh, feed. And then afterwards, we share it to our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook lines, which is West Irwin Live. That's Irwin with an E-R-W-I-N. West Irwin Live and West Irwin Church of Christ. And then also on our website, uh, westirwin.com. Uh, you can go over there and click on that connect tab, scroll down to where it says live streaming, click on that, go down to the place where it says view archives, and you'll see all kinds of fun stuff there, including these Facebook messages. I'm glad to have you joining along this year. We are looking, reading through uh, F. Lagarde Smith's uh, The Daily Bible in Chronological Order, if you've ever wanted to read through the Bible in a year, you're not too far behind, although you're getting there. But uh, always remember, when you're behind a little bit, read today's reading first. Start there, and then if you don't get the chance to catch up, just plan on being uh, on time and, and uh, along the same outline starting today. And that's a, that's a great, great thing. Uh, if you are keeping up with us, then today we are uh, in the midst of the Law of Moses. We've really just gotten our feet wet into that, and so that is beginning to uh, trudge along, and it will go along for another couple of weeks or so until we get into uh, later on into March, and uh, we get to the point of um, Joshua leading the people to the land of Canaan and the conquest and all of those uh, fun things. But first, we're going to do a little bit of uh, talking about the laws of Moses. We saw a little bit of that over the last couple of sessions. This last time, we looked through the first 10 chapters or so of the book of Deuteronomy. That's where they're there at the river, ready to go across the Jordan and into the promised land. Moses will not join them. No one from the adult generation when that escaped from Egypt uh, will join them because of all their complaining and griping and lack of faith and, and whining. <laughs> and only Joshua and Caleb, the two faithful spies that Moses had sent out 12, 10 were bad, two were good, and the two good ones were Joshua and Caleb. And they said, yeah, we can do it, let's do it. But unfortunately, the others uh, swayed the message of the the people and their opinions. And so because of that, the people wandered in the desert, in the wilderness for a year. For each of the days, those 12 spies had gone into the land of Palestine, the land of milk and honey. And uh, they, um, and so they were gone for 40 days. So 40 years later, here we are in Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, really gives a recounting of uh, the laws of God that he had given to Moses based on the Ten Commandments. Of course, that's uh, the heart of it all. But at the same time, that's only a part. And all five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are attributed mostly to Moses. Um, and, uh, of course, there's a little bit of uh, about the death of Moses at the end of Deuteronomy that likely Joshua penned. Uh, but here we are talking about the law and reading about the law, and it's very detailed. If you don't like detail, you're going to have a hard time through this section, but that's okay. Just hang in there, uh, trudge along with it. Try to find the big pictures in all of this, and I think the big picture is how carefully uh, 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 concerned God was about every aspect of his people's lives. 
I mean, there's everything in that law, everything that you can imagine. And it's more than just a religious law. It is, of course, uh, a moral law, an ethical law. Health laws are there, ceremonial laws, how they should worship and, and how the priests should dress and all of those kinds of things, the different feast days, the different kinds of sacrifices that they should make to God and the purposes behind them. Uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff in there. But remember, Israel at this time is a theocracy. That means that it is a, it, the rule of God is the civil law in the land. And that's why when you read through this for a 21st century American, it's pretty rough because we're reading things that, um, for example, if they break the Sabbath, then the community is to put them to death. Uh, if they worship some other god besides the Lord, the community is to put them to death and that sort of thing. So it's a very difficult thing for us. But remember, uh, we're talking about 4,000, uh, 3,500 or so years ago. Uh, Abraham living in 2000 B.C. approximately. Moses in 1500 approximately. King David around 900 to 1,000 and so you see all of that going on and you realize that's been a long time ago. It was a different world, a different time, a different land. But at the same time, God had a vision for his people and they were to be under his law. And so that's what we're reading about right now. I love this comment from Ephlegard Smith as he begins this section. And remember, Ephlegard Smith, who compiled this uh, daily Bible in chronological order, is an attorney. He's a theologian, he's a scholar, he's written several books, uh, but at the same time, he is an attorney by trade. And so, he, and this may be, I don't know, if he doesn't say it, I don't think, but this could be his favorite part of the whole Bible, where he's really delving into the law. And what he does in the Daily Bible is he outlines it all, and he covers it all in one section, and that's where we are right now. And that's why we have a, almost a month or so of notifications about the law of Moses. But it's it's compiled in a very helpful way, I believe. And so uh, as he begins this section, he says this, the explicit purpose for each law is rarely given. However, most of the laws are ultimately designed to teach the Israelites to respect and honor God, first of all, to make them holy and aware of their separateness as a specially chosen people. They were the chosen people and to learn respect for the rights of their neighbors. Laws regulating personal injury or even diet are no less significant than those regulating offerings and sacrifices for all laws are essentially religious laws. Why? Because they have their base from God. All are given by a personal God and lawgiver to whom the people have sworn allegiance and promised obedience. And that's what the people have done. And that's what God has accepted. And so he's giving them this law. And remember Jesus, uh, in summarizing the law, he talks about those two great commandments, the two greatest, as he was asked. Uh, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those are found in this section of the law. And both of those form the heart of how we, even today, 2,000 years after the church began, uh, are called upon to worship the Lord, to love him first of all. And that means being obedient to his word and to his will. 
and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Far and away, the majority of the New Testament talks about how we are to relate to others and how we are to treat them and the kind of witness that that brings. Uh, And that has its basis in the old law, as Jesus uh, said. Later on, the Apostle Paul would look back on that kind of a law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, as a summary statement of all the other laws because they describe it in a general way. If you ask yourself, is this, if this act I'm about to uh, perform uh, against my neighbor or is these words I'm about to say against my neighbor, do they reflect love, loving my neighbor as myself? Well, if they don't, then they're wrong. It's just that simple. Yet what may appear, as we've mentioned, to be cruel and unusual in modern times, and this, this is a lot of detail in a lot of areas, uh, again, it must be viewed in the context of the life and times in which the Israelites are living. That's one of the harder things to do, is to try to receive the exact commands and uh, principles and teaching that the Bible gives us, and yet not to translate it into 21st century context as you're reading the stories. Yes, apply it to yourself and to our 21st century context, but at the same time, remember to reflect on the fact that these words were written a long time ago and to a different people at a different state uh, at a different time. Uh, There's a theocratic legal system, and so all laws become a part of their response in following God. And it begins with these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first and great commandment, again, to love the Lord our God. And here it's stated, you shall have no other gods before me. But it's based on the blessing that God had already given to them. Before he gives them any of these laws, he reminds them of how he has already blessed them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he begins with, you shall have no other gods before me. One of the primary laws, can't worship anything else. And as we're going to see, there were the stiff punishment for that. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Shall not bow down to them or worship them. That's the second of the Ten Commandments. And it's pretty similar to the first, but a little different. When I think of the golden calf and the Israelites worshiping in the wilderness while Moses was receiving the the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone on Mount Sinai, um, they they were nervous and they wanted a God that they could see and feel and touch. And, And so they took off their gold earrings and other jewelry and they made a calf made out of gold. And they said, this is your God, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Well, could very well be that they were worshiping that calf could very well be also that they were worshiping the Lord God, but wanted an image that they could see and touch and feel. And when we do that, we're creating God in our own image. Jesus himself um, said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, spiritually and faithfully, truthfully and genuinely and sincerely. Um, The Israelites were called upon to be obedient to this law, and if uh, disobedience was there, then the punishments were were laid out and what they were uh, to do. And so it's important for us to remember that this was the law of the land in the time of Moses all the way up until 
the nation of Israel no longer existed and ultimately was superseded by the New Testament gospel of Jesus Christ, still based. Uh, you learn a lot about God as you read these words of the law. You learn about what's important to him. And I think primarily we learn how much he cares about his people. Moses said, be careful to obey all these regulations I'm giving you so that it may always go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord your God. One of the things that we saw on Tuesday is the call of God to share these words with others when we talk about the Passover, celebrating uh, the deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. One of the ceremonies that they're supposed to go through is have one of the children ask, why are we doing this? What does this mean? And then someone is to tell the story of how they wandered uh, from uh, their homeland to Egypt in order to escape famine. And after being there for a few hundred years, uh, the Egyptians made slaves out of them. They cried out to God and God sent them a deliverer, Moses, and he delivered them from the most powerful nation on earth uh, with a high and uplifted hand demonstrating God's power with those 10 plagues and crossing through the Red Sea on dry ground and receiving that law uh, at the mountain on Mount Sinai and all of the things that that meant. They were to uh, share these stories uh, with, uh, with their children. One of the things that's interesting as um, as Moses recounts this law, one of the laws, again, related to worshiping other gods is this. In Deuteronomy 13, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder uh, spoken of takes place, and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, that first and greatest commandment. It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. I got to tell you, if someone claims to be a prophet of God and they make a prediction and a prophecy and it actually comes to pass, unlike a lot of the ones we hear today, that's pretty impressive. But even if what they say comes to pass and they say, hey, the Bible isn't really God's word. We don't have to follow it all the way. Well, then we are not to listen to them. Paul tells it very strongly in Galatians chapter 1 when he says, even if an angel from heaven came down and called us, uh, gave us a different gospel than what we have received, tried to change the word of God, they are to be condemned. And here we see the same thing. As, uh, as Moses helps us to understand what a false prophet is, it's not just one whose prophecy doesn't come out to be true, but especially it is one who calls us to follow other gods, to turn us away uh, from the Lord. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses announces that there will come another time when there will be someone better. Uh, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. Finally, in New Testament times, Jesus is referred to as that prophet. And he is the fulfillment of what Moses says when he says this, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. 
He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. That prophet was the very Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, we see in this section lots of other laws that are mis, uh, mentioned as he goes through and, and um, shares each of the Ten Commandments and then some laws that are related to those commandments as well. Uh, he gives us the laws re about uh, the Sabbath every seventh day. It's not the day that the church worships on. We worship on the first day. Isn't that what your calendar says? Sunday is the first day of the week, not the Sabbath, not the seventh day. But the Jews worshipped on the Sabbath because uh, God blessed the seventh day in, during the time of creation. And then under the law of Moses, he gave strict uh, law concerning the Sabbath. They weren't to do any work, and they were to worship. It was a time of worship and a time of rest. Not a bad idea for us today, is it, to have a designated time for worship and for rest. Uh, God commanded them to keep the Sabbath, and even so strongly uh, that if one were to break the Sabbath, then again the community was to put them uh, to death. There were several special festivals that the Israelites were to observe, uh, annual pilgrimages uh, that they must have, and reminders of all of the great blessings uh, that they had. They were to celebrate the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and again, that uh, involves the Passover. Uh, they were to uh, celebrate the festival of the harvest when the harvest came in. Uh, they were to celebrate the festival of end gathering at the end of the year when they began to bring all of those crops uh, back in. Uh, they were to celebrate uh, the festival of the tabernacles uh, where it, it's a reminder uh, for seven days they were to live in tents like they did in the wilderness wanderings so that they would remember and the Passover helps them to remember that great deliverance from God when he saved the, the people of Israel uh, by taking the lives of the firstborn of all of Egypt. But they had to put the sign of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And if they did that in an act of faith, then God passed over their homes uh, so that their children and all of them would be safe. It's just an incredible, incredible thing. Uh, we talk about the, uh, the, the different festivals, and we come upon the Day of Atonement. It is the Yom Kippur, is the word. I got to admit, I mostly know about the, the Day of Atonement by reading a few of these passages in the Old Testament, um, but also by the great movie from Neil Diamond, the jazz singer. You knew I would work that in there somehow, didn't you? Uh, he has uh, 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 just, uh, I, Neil Diamond's one of my favorite singer-songwriters, and people who know me well know that, that, that to be true. Uh, but the Israelites, it was really the only day of the year that the Israelites were commanded to fast. They could fast at any time, but they were commanded to fast on the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, and it was a time when the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the only time of the year uh, that he was to do that. And he would go and he would offer sacrifices, first of all, for himself because of his own sin. And then secondly, for all of the people. And there's a lot talked about in that time for that special day. They get two goats and one of them is to be a, a sacrifice. And the other one 
is to have all of the sins of all of the people on him, and then he's taken out of the community and turned loose in the wild. That's where we get the term scapegoat. That goat was to be uh, the scapegoat. Uh, all of these things are, are quite amazing as we read through them. And even now, this week, we're reading about the different kinds of sacrifices, the different types of offerings, uh, the burnt offerings that they would share, a lamb or a, a calf or a bull or something like that, uh, grain offerings uh, that could be offered, some of those uh, who were too poor to afford uh, lamb, for example. Um, there were other commands for them when we see Joseph and Mary offering up the sacrifices for the birth of Jesus. It is uh, from these parts of the law where it talks about what you offer when you have a child to God uh, as a thanksgiving offering, as an offering uh, to acknowledge God's creation, creative power. And they, they brought about uh, the offering that is designated in the law for those who could not afford uh, to offer up uh, an animal sacrifice. Uh, all of these things are, are great examples of what uh, the people of God were called upon to do and called upon to be. Um, next week, we're going to look at the great holiness code where God says, You be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And the opportunities that they have, we'll read coming up about fellowship offerings. These are offerings that are voluntary, much like the woman who brought a perfume and, and poured it on Jesus and uh, offered up a sacrifice that she didn't have to do, but she did it because of her love for the Lord who had, uh, who had accepted her and called her to live a faithful life. Uh, that's talked about in the Old Testament, talked about fellowship offerings, volunteer, voluntary offerings, unlike offerings such as the sin offerings and the guilt offerings that we'll be reading about uh, as well. Specifics uh, there, yes, indeed. Uh, but it is something that is a part of the Old Testament law. It's a part of the way they worship the Lord according to his will. And as we think about how we are to worship the Lord today, it, God is still concerned with that. Thankfully, we don't have hundreds of laws to follow as they did in the Old Testament. But God has spoken specifically about he want, how he wants to be worshipped in our Sunday assemblies, but also in our personal and private devotionals, and also in our daily lives, the way we treat each other. Again, where is it based from? Well, it's based in those two great commandments, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As you read through these laws, remember they were given by a God who loves his people, who wanted them to understand that they were separate, that they were different. They were God's chosen people, not chosen for salvation, but chosen to bring about the Savior. And that Savior came, and his name is Jesus. And he was born uh, to Joseph and Mary, and he was raised as the son of a carpenter and learned that trade even being called a carpenter himself when he began ministry. But he put, uh, put all of that behind him and lived and taught and healed and helped and ultimately gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice. The book of Hebrews says Jesus is the better sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. 
And that's why Jesus offered himself once for all, as the book of Hebrews puts it, to be that sacrifice that could actually bring about our salvation. Glory be to our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you next week.